Howdy there, my fellow distanced fellows. I'm Peyton Zignego here with COVID Operation to bring you your daily dose of cheer. everybody. That's right. You made it all the way to Thursday once again. I'm so proud of you. But even though our week is drawing close to a close, that does not mean that we have any less exciting things going on here at COVID Operation. So yesterday I explained that we were going to be having a little bit of a flip-flop this week and that we were going to be having our professional interview take place today, Thursday. And that is exactly what's going to be happening. I have a super exciting interview to share with you and oh my god, there's so much good stuff in it. So I'm just going to kick it off to Peyton in the studio without any more ado because it's quite long and I really didn't want to cut him off. So you're getting an extra special long episode today because you had to wait to get the professional interview until today. So take it away, Peyton. Thanks, Peyton. I'm here today in my Zoom studio with an LA actor who owns an impressively long IMDb page, Charles Carpenter. So hi, Charles. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here in my Zoom studio. And thank you, Peyton. I appreciate you taking the time to want to talk to me. Thank you. So start things off going back to your beginning. So what made you want to be an actor and and how'd you get started out in LA? Well, I was born a poor little black Mexican child. No, I'm just kidding. I was was born. What made me want to get started? You know what? To be honest with you, the the very first time I knew I wanted to be an actor, okay, this is going to be a silly story and I'm kind of a big dork, so you just kind of got to go with it. Me too. I love Um, it. Do you remember remember a movie called Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom? Yep. So Raiders of the Lost Ark had come out, and it was obviously a huge worldwide hit, right? So the second movie came out, and we were dying to go, and I thought Harrison Ford was amazing. Plus, you know, I'd seen him in all this, in, in Star Wars and, and whatnot, and so I was like, yeah, okay, we're going to go. And so we went to the movies, and for the next two hours, I was transported into another place. And I didn't care that I was grounded. And I didn't care that, you know, my dad was a little upset or disappointed in me. I didn't care about anything other than being in this place. And then when I left, I thought to myself, wow, what an amazing, magical power that is to make you be able to leave this world and go someplace else. And then that was it. That was just kind of the seed that, that, that stayed and it began to, uh, to ferment and to take hold. Uh, and then many years later, when I got out of high school, a friend of mine was in a show called My So-Called Life. And uh, she was one of the stars of the show. And she said, hey, I'm going to an acting class uh, with this guy. His name's Ernie Lively. He became, he's, he's like a second dad to me. And uh, you, you probably are familiar with his daughter, Blake. She's married to Ryan Reynolds. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, so the Lively family has always been very close to me. Mm-hmm. And so I went to his class. And I got to tell you, that first class, so I get there, right? And we get these scenes right there, and we're working on them. And I was horrible. <laughs> uh, I stunk up. It was like I walked up, and I was a big fart in the air. I just, I just was, I just, it was, everything about it was bad. I was, I was calling the other character, my character's name. And I was like looking off and I didn't have anything, but there was, there was a moment. There was one exchange where I looked at him and he looked at me and we were both supposed to be pissed off 
and in the scene and I was getting frustrated and I was getting pissed off and, and he was there and I was there and, and we had an exchange of three lines, boom, 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 back and forth. And Ernie said, stop, that's it. Perfect. Right there. <laughs> that was, that was it. We, we could build from there. That was, and that same feeling that I had watching Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom came back to me. It's like in that moment, Mm-hmm. I didn't care that I had done everything else wrong. <laughs> I, I didn't care that I just stunk up the place. And I didn't care that people were watching me, probably giggling and laughing and getting ready to throw tomatoes at me. I, for that moment, I was in that moment. And those those two uh, completely divergent sort of moments in time connected. And I thought, wow. Yeah, this is, it's like, it's like we as actors, we as storytellers, and it's just not just actors, but writers, directors, producers, you know, that's why I, I've written uh, three fantasy novels. I'm working on the fourth one now. And as a shameless plug, you can check out shieldofdestiny.com if you're interested, <laughs> if you like fantasy. But we're storytellers and we want the capacity, we want the opportunity to go out and engage people in our worlds, in our visions. We want to be able to take people away from all that is mundane, from all that is painful, from all that is difficult and bring you into a world of our creation. And that's what all storytellers do. That's what you're doing right now. You want to engage people with other people's lives and stories and give them your own narrative twist so that you can, you know, grow your audience. You can grow your base of impact and make a difference in the world. And right now we need great storytellers more than we ever have. So I think what you're doing is really noble, is really honorable. And that is why when I got out of that class, I thought, yeah, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to make money at it, but this just didn't move me. Everything about it, like for for that three sentence exchange, I was in another place. And so I think that's our mutant power. I think we're all X-Men and our mutant power (laughs) is to be able to control emotions. Yeah. I really like that. So from, from those three lines, you sort of turned it into a whole career and you've done so many different varieties in like genres of movies and media like how do you get from going to like serious cop shows like NCIS into going on to Brooklyn Nine-Nine like what's the difference how do you prepare for those well okay you have to understand that the story in essence is about the truth of the character you have to honor the writing and then bring your own energy to it (laughs) so storytelling in essence is the same in whatever you enter into, there are just different techniques to utilize. Like for instance, in the classes that I teach, uh, the Storytellers Conservatory, we break down fundamentally on-camera acting into its three basic components, which is single-cam drama, multi-cam comedy, which would be your sitcoms like Cheers back in the day or Friends or, you know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And then you have your single-cam comedies like Modern Family. And each genre has its 
own specific set of guidelines or rules to understand. So once you kind of understand the rules of that, it's easy for you to kind of plug in and move forward. You know, as a basic example, in multicam comedy, you need to be very specific. Everything that you do, like comedy, it requires you to have movement when you need movement. Movement has to accentuate a point. There are beats, there, there, there's a flow. It's two laps a page. You've got to understand where the joke is, what the funny of the scene is. And you you can't put a lot of artifice in there. There isn't a lot of stuff that you can do because you can't you can't have a subtle underlying goal or else it throws off the joke, right? So everything has to be very clear. Like for instance, take friends, which is something that even today people today know about. The characters in essence are the same at the end of the series as they were at the beginning of the series. You know Joey isn't very bright and he is the womanizer and but he's sweet and then Chandler is the sarcastic one and you know and then you've got Monica who is who is you know really intelligent but she's also very kind of uh, you know about things and and so those archetypes carry through consistently whereas you know in a in a drama you can have an arc of a character that goes through a lot of changes and a lot of metamorphosis so too in single cam comedies the characters develop although you still know basically where they are, but they can, they can develop softer sides to them. And so there is, there's just a, a degree of flavoring. So once you understand that, but to be honest with you, when I first started, it was just, let me try to read this. And if it's, if it's comedy, let me see if I can make you laugh. And if it's drama, let me see if I can make you cry. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> and so it started from there. But I really think that the most important thing is for you to play and experience and get into a get into a class, get together with a bunch of friends, read, do stuff every day because you ask, how do you do that? You do it by doing it. When I start, sat down to write my novels, I'd never written a novel before. I'd taken English classes, so I knew the structure of a sentence. I'd studied, I'd studied movies so I, I understood a three act story arc but I had to just sit down and, and go so for anybody out there who says I don't know how to start I say start you can, online now you can go and you can find all sorts of scripts you can find TV scripts you can find movie scripts you can find them just about anywhere it just takes a little research people with far more digital proficiency than I can get on and it look my dumb butt can find stuff online <laughs> Anybody can. And so find a script, start reading it, find a play, start reading it, get into a class, start to explore. And then just like with anything, you build up your strengths to start off in acting. I always say when all else fails, fall back on your training, trust yourself. We are amazing creatures. We humans, we are capable of such heights of beauty and intelligence and, and, and brilliance and love. And it manifests itself in the arts. And the thing that stops a lot of people is that they don't trust that what they think is beautiful, other people will find beautiful. So they limit their creativity. So for everybody out there, I say, please just start. We need your beautiful artwork. We need your dolls. We need what you do taking every bit as much as we need the number one movie in the world. Okay, I really like that. That's great. Um, well, thank you. I, I, I do what I can. Mm-hmm. You know, going back to, you say that there's lots of differences and how you're portraying your character, but it's all sort of sort of the same at its core. 
Would you say that there is any major differences in characterizing between doing it for a movie versus doing it for a TV show? Because you have different times and, and arcs that are going on. Yeah, everything that you do is particular to itself in so much as like, okay, I, uh, I, I worked on a movie called Birds of Prey, which is a big studio, big budget feature film. To contrast that, I was recurring for many years on a show called General Hospital, which is a, is a soap opera. Yeah. And the time to get things done, use those because they are complete polar opposites in terms of what you need to do. In Birds of Prey, we did three and a half pages a day, if that, you know, and I thought, wow, we've got so much time. There were, if, if they wanted different shot setups, we, we were able to do that. They, they storyboarded different stuff on the fly. It was really cool because it was such a big production and they had the time to do it it was just a different pace. Now take that to General Hospital. You can easily shoot 15 pages in a day on a soap opera. If you're not a star of the show, you better be on point because if you're not ready, they will roll right through you. Why? Because the show comes out every day. Yeah. So you do have to understand that there is a tempo to the different sets that you're going to be on. There is, there is a different expectation of the workload, but it all ultimately comes back down to you understanding the story, honoring the writing and honoring the character. You know, everybody says, well, I got to be in character. I got to be in character. Basically, it just means you have to think the character's thoughts. You have to allow yourself that deep immersion in order to be in that reality. And although the approach to it is at its core fundamentally the same, it's you allowing yourself to take on these attributes. A lot of people will say, oh, I like to put myself on the back burner and then I disappear and the character comes out. I don't necessarily subscribe to that. I don't say that they're wrong because I'm still here. I, I find it more interesting to find how a little piece of Charles, that private part of Charles can connect to that private part of this other character because we all have that. We all have that private part that we don't let anybody else into and that really is the foundation of where we move and where we go. And that's what I mean about thinking that character's thoughts, allowing those thoughts to be politically incorrect because that's how this character views the world. So in its, in its essence, that's what it is. It's how can you find that piece of yourself and link it to this other character? For me, like I've never murdered anybody and I'm, I'm not planning on it, but if I were to play a murderer, well, I have to honor the writing and the character. So if this guy killed someone, well, what is his mindset? What would have gotten him there? How can I then take a little piece of myself? Oh, okay. So something here really got him upset or sad to the point to where he found no other way out than to take that, that sadness out in the form of murder. I can at least link a piece of myself to that emotional state. I've been very sad. I've been very angry. I just have a moral objective and a consciousness that says you don't go that far. Mm -hmm. uh, so again, like I said, at its core, everything fundamentally starts from that core of storytelling, but each set does have its different set of rules and its tempo. And you got to understand it by my way of thinking, always prepare 
for the worst case scenario. Do your homework. When you book a job, it's, that's not the time to party. Yeah. You, you celebrate with your friends after you do the work. That's the time when the work really begins. Understand the story. Understand the character arc. Understand as much as you can. If it's a TV show, watch previous episodes. Get the pace and the timing and the tone of it. If it's a movie, see if you can look up the director's reels, who you're going to be working with. Find out who the, the director of photography is so you know what kind of shots he likes. Does he like to push in close? Do they like to stay far away? Find out as much as you can so you can go in with as much knowledge as you can possibly equip yourself. So you're making choices based on the knowledge of having done your work, of falling back on your training. Know the character, make choices. Play the character mad, play him sad, play him jealous, play him guilty, play him lustful, play him happy. So that if the director on set says, hey, I want to try something different, you can easily go that way. You're not locked into, oh my gosh, I don't know, I didn't do it that way. No, so you go in and again, expect the worst so that you're prepared for it and everything else is great. I always go in thinking it's over budget, so they're going to be cutting corners. It's it's behind the time that they need to get done, so they're 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 lagging. So people are going to be in a rush. People are going to be irritated. Maybe the director is pissed off at the writer, who's pissed off at the producer. The light grid just blew. There's a lot of wind, so they're not getting sound right. Everything is going down. They're losing light. We got to get the shot right now. Mm-hmm. When I put myself in that position, and I know that I can handle that, mm-hmm. then when I get on set. It's, it's nowhere near that. And I'm like, okay, cool. But in case things get tough, no sweat. I've prepared myself for it. I've got it. Because as an actor, as a pro, you don't have the luxury of being blocked or being unable to create on the fly or improvise or bring an element of originality to something. You don't have that. As a pro, you've got to be ready to come in and say, okay, I will put this hundred, $200,000, $300,000 a day budget to keep everything open for today on my shoulders. I will come in early. I will be ready. I will be willing to play. I will come in with a lot of choices and then let's go and let's see what happens. I know it's a long way to answer your question, but the fundamentals are the same, but you have to understand each set. And the thing is, you pick it up on the fly. Like once you get to the set, if your call time is 6 a.m., get there at 5.30, okay? Even if it's just you and the security guard in the parking lot, get there. Say hi to him or her. Introduce yourself. Just see, hey, how's it, how's it? if it's not the first day, if you know they've been shooting for a while, hey, how's the shoot been going? Get as much information as you can, okay? See the vibe of everybody. What is it like so that you can step in? Be alert. Be aware. That way, you're contributing, not from a place of nervousness. Everybody's saying, should I do that? Should I do that? You're a pro. Be a pro. Make yourself invaluable so that on set, you come in and people say, oh, well, I only had a line. I don't like only. I don't like just. Oh, it's just a, it's just a commercial. I've made a lot of money on just commercials. Mm-hmm. I've shot 150 of them at least. Wow. As soon as you say just, as soon as you quantify something to a lesser degree, it means that you're making that what 
makes you a good actor. Oh, I'm, oh since that's just a commercial, I'm going to save my good stuff for the bigger stuff. You'll never get to the bigger stuff. You've got to make everything important. You've got to be a pro in everything you do. Yeah, that's going to be enough for today. I mean, I can't keep you all day as much as I want to. But once again, my professional interviewee has had so much good stuff to say that I have to push it back into another two-parter. Charles just had so much wonderful information to share and so much just really good and motivational things to say that I really do not want to cut much of it out. So next week, you will get the rest of the Charles Carpenter interview. I know, I'm so sorry to have to make you wait again, but... I promise it is worth waiting for. So thank you so much to Charles Carpenter for being on the show and for being interviewed. You'll get to hear his voice again next week, so stay tuned for that. If you liked this episode, then you're sure as heck gonna like the next one coming up next week. Now, I know I've already kept you quite a long time with this extra long special episode. However, I do have a couple more things to say before I let you go. So first of all, Charles has a really awesome fantasy novel series that he's working on. And there's three books out already, I believe. You can go and check those out at shieldofdestiny.com. He's got a really cool website with a whole bunch of awesome information about his characters, with complete with artwork and a whole slew of other things. So if you're looking to add to that coronacation reading list, this would be a perfect addition. And if you're interested in things Charles does, like um, he teaches some classes, you can go and see him at the Storytellers Conservatory. He's currently doing some online remote classes that could be interesting if you're looking to go out to LA and pursue a career in acting at some point. So if you need more Charles Carpenter Phil until our next episode with him, that's where you can go and check out his stuff. But also, I must plug that if you have any burning questions about this or anything else, you can ask Peyton. Tomorrow is Friday, which means it's time for our Ask Peyton segment. You can email questions to Peyton, P-E-Y-T-O-N, at storyarkark.org, and I will be answering them tomorrow. So I'm super excited to hear from you. <sighs> All right, that's everything. For today, at least. So, I will see you tomorrow, once again. And Charles will be back with us next week, so you will get to hear more of his knowledge-packed interview that I'm so excited to share with you because I, I loved everything he had to say. It was so fantastic. All the more incentive to keep listening, I tell you. So that's everything from me today, so thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed having a little extra time with me and Charles today. I appreciate the fact that you tuned in, so thanks again. This has been COVID Operation. I've been Peyton Zignego. I'll see you tomorrow. Stay safe out there. Peyton and Tapioca, over and out. Thank you.